two weeks, or over the next week actually, until next Sunday, us as Christians, we are celebrating the greatest event that ever happened in human history. We're celebrating and remembering the fact that our God became a man and lived a perfect life and offered himself as the perfect sacrifice, fully and pleasing to God for our sins, that we could be forgiven and made fully and completely righteous in him. And so this Sunday and and next Sunday, we're going to take a break from the series that we've been in. If you have been with us each over the past couple of weeks, we've been in the book of Hebrews. And we've been seeing in the book of Hebrews how we have these shadows of things to come in the Old Testament, and then they're fulfilled in the man Christ Jesus in the New Testament. We see how all these things that were given to Moses were actually pointing us towards Christ, who was to come later, the fulfillment of all of God's promises. And today as we look at what we commonly call Palm Sunday, as Jesus rode into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. He was greeted with shouts of praise, and people came waving palm branches. And that's why we call this Palm Sunday. We go into this holy week, again, remembering all the things that happened. And what I want us to look at and focus on today are these words of praise that are shouted out to Jesus as he's riding into town. That's what we're going to look at at this event. And as he's coming into town, into Jerusalem, we commonly call this the triumphal entry. And again, as, as Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, as he's riding into town and coming in, he knows that he's headed straight for the cross. He knows what is awaiting him. And so today, as we study this passage, these passages of Scripture, we're also going to partake in the Lord's Supper um, today, a little bit at the end of the service. And I love this illustration in this picture that we have with the Lord's Supper. It's not just about a, a little cracker that's passed out to you or a little cup of juice that's actually supposed to be wine. But what we are doing is honoring and remembering what Jesus did for us and what he told his disciples just hours before he was betrayed. And there's some special things that happened that night that I want us to see more prophecy that was fulfilled from the Old Testament, fully and completely fulfilled in Jesus, leaving us absolutely no doubt that Jesus was the promised Messiah, the fulfillment of all of God's prophecy and all of his promises. And because of him, we get to enjoy all of those promises. So today, I, I want us to think about this. As Jesus was coming into town, coming into Jerusalem, we know that just prior to this, he had just raised a man from the dead. His friend Lazarus had died, and he had brought Lazarus back to life. And people were all in a buzz about this. They're coming back to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. And if we remember, Passover is, of all the Jewish festivals, Passover is the biggest of the festivals. There was three main ones that all the able-bodied Jewish men had to come to Jerusalem for, and Passover was chief among them. So everybody's coming into Jerusalem. You can imagine the city is just swelling by the thousands and thousands of Jews. Everybody's all abuzz. They're talking about Jesus. Have you heard what Jesus did? He rose. I heard about Lazarus. Lazarus was dead, and Jesus raised him back to life. Are you sure? Yes, he was in the tomb for several days, and I tell you what, he stinketh. 
And I tell you, Jesus raised him from the dead. Have you heard about that? Well, I heard he taught this. I heard he said that. I heard about all these miracles. People were all wondering about this Jesus, who he was. The Pharisees heard all this, and they, they hated him. They despised him. They wanted to put him to death. And Jesus, as he's coming into town, he tells his disciples, a couple of them, go and you're going to find a donkey and bring him to me. I'm going to use this colt and we're going to go into town. And as Jesus is coming into town, he's greeted by all these people, all these Jews who are excited and celebrating him. And they, they shout out these words and these, these praises, things that we commonly say in church or around church. And some people don't even know what they mean. You'll hear people in church say, hallelujah, not even know what it means. You'll hear what we just sang, the words, hosanna, and we think that's just maybe another name for Jesus. Well, today I want us to see what those things actually mean, why we exclaim hosanna, why we shout hallelujah to the name of Jesus. As Jesus is coming into town, these people are, are greeting him, and John 12 uh, beginning in verse 12 and 13. As he's coming into town, the people are shouting. So it says, the next day, the large crowd, remember, everyone is coming for the Passover. The large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was, going, was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. I want you to imagine this scene, Jesus riding on this donkey, a colt of a, of a donkey, coming into town, and these people just are flocking out to him. They're waving these palm branches, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. And for a lot of us, we don't even know what that means. Why would they be shouting this? What is so special about uh, this event? Well, one of the things that the Jews commonly did during this time of the year especially we all, if we have any, um, if we were Jews, we would know a common practice that they had. We all know the book of Psalms, right? We read all the different Psalms and praises that we have in the middle of our Bible. It's the longest book of the Bible. You go there and read all these Psalms, some by David and by others. Well, there's a collection in those Psalms, Numbers 113 through 118, that for the Jews, they called this group of Psalms the Hallel. And you say, well, Okay, well, what does that mean? The Hallel, what that means literally is the word to praise. Hallel means to praise. So I want you to think about this. You've heard the term hallelujah, hallelujah. The first part of that word is hallel, hallelujah. Yah is the first letter in God's formal name that he gave to Moses. So when we say hallelujah, we are saying praise to God. So if you've never known what that word means, when you hear Christians say, hallelujah, brother, what we're actually saying is praise to Yah, hallelujah, praise to God. And so this group, though, this group of Psalms, 113 through 118, is commonly called the Hallel. And they would sing this to commemorate the Passover, when God delivered the people out of Egypt, he delivered them out of Pharaoh. God performed all these miracles. And there's this group of psalms that commemorates this experience and actually prophesies about the Messiah to come. 
So the Jews would commonly sing this on their way going to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. The priests, according to the Mishnah, which is the the written down traditions of the rabbis, they would sing this while they were offering the sacrifices for Passover. So this was something that was commonly sung by them at this time. And then also it tells us, the Mishnah, that it was sung during the Passover cedar. And that's the meal that they have for Passover. Remember, God gave the Jews instructions about this specific Passover meal that they would have to honor that. They'd have the lamb and the wine and all these other elements there. And they would sing that during this meal. They would sing Psalm 113 and 114 before the meal. And then after the meal, they would sing 115, 116, 117, and 118. This is a very common tradition for them. And the reason I think this is important, and the reason I bring this up, is because some of the words that are, liter- that are quoted by John in chapter 12, verse 13, when it says, Hosanna. And Hosanna means save us, Lord. It's a cry for salvation. Save us, Lord God. Save us. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, this isn't just talking about just anybody who's a believer who comes as a Christian. This is actually a passage talking about the Messiah. They're quoting this from the book of Psalms, Psalm 118 to be exact. If you read verses 25 and 26, you find this passage. So what the Jews were doing, Whenever they were shouting out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and all these other things. They were proclaiming over Jesus that he was the fulfillment of these Old Testament Psalms. That even if they didn't fully understand what they were saying, they were proclaiming him as the one that these Psalms were talking about. So we see these shouts of of praises. And the reason I bring this up of why this is so important is because it shows us the Old Testament is is pointing to Jesus. But then there's another interesting aspect to this as well. Now, we know the quote comes from Psalm 118, verses 25 and 26. And at the very end of the service, I'm going to read that entire psalm for us. And we know that that group of psalms called the Hallel was sung at the Passover. The rabbis taught that it was sung at the Passover meal especially. And now the interesting thing I thought about this, later on during the week, Jesus and his disciples, they gather for what we have come to denote and follow the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. But they gathered originally to observe the Passover meal. They gathered to observe that because that was what was given to them by Moses under the law. They're still under the law and they come to celebrate this Passover meal And if we remember what Jesus said to his disciples when they gathered together, uh, the book of Luke says that when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have longed to eat this Passover meal with you. They've come together to eat this Passover meal. and, and, And I love this. Jesus knows that this is the last Passover there will ever be. There's no need for Passover after Jesus offers his sacrifice. 
Because the sacrifice in the Passover is just looking forward to the ultimate Savior, the ultimate Deliverer, the ultimate one that will free us. And he has been looking forward to this for centuries, waiting for this final Passover meal. And we know they gather together in that upper room to eat that Passover. They have that meal, and then Jesus institutes something new, doesn't he? That's what we're going to honor today as we, as we have come together, what we again call the, Pas- uh, the Lord's Supper. When he shows us the bread representing his body that was given for us, and his, the wine, his blood, which he calls the blood of the new covenant that's poured out for the forgiveness of sins. But have you ever asked yourself, what did they do after the meal? What did they do after the Lord's Supper? After they did the Passover meal, after the Lord's Supper, what happened next? It's one of those questions that you're like, nobody's ever asked me that, and I've never thought about it. Well, both Matthew and Mark tell us exactly what they did. If you'll throw that uh, verse from Matthew 26 and Mark 14 up on the screen right there. It says, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. It's an interesting verse right here. So after they have this Passover meal, after the Lord's Supper, they sang some hymns. The, the literal word there is after they hymnized, basically, not just sang a hymn. And I could almost guess what they sang. The tradition of the time was for them to get together and to sing the Hallel before the Passover meal and after. But how fitting that the true Passover lamb would sing about bringing the festal sacrifice to the altar. That Jesus Christ himself would would sing a song that pointed to him all the way from the Old Testament. Now we don't know, I cannot say for certain that he did sing that exact hymn. But it's most likely that Jesus and his disciples did sing from the Hallel just like the rest of the Jews. And again, singing that that song and him knowing those words, that he was going to fulfill all of this that the Jews had been looking forward to and waiting on, and finally it had come to him. This is the last Passover, the last sacrifice that would ever need to be made for any sin forever. That's why Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. These things from the Old Testament are done with now. It's it's been fulfilled. You're going to walk out of the old and into the new. That's why we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And that's what we're going to do here in just a few moments. And at this time, I'd like to have our deacons come forward. And today, as we go into this supper, you can follow along with us. Uh, We're going to prompt everything. If you don't know the order of things to do, don't worry about it. And what I want to remind you of this is, is this, if you are a believer, we invite you to take this with us today. It doesn't matter what church you're from, if you're from a different denomination, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, we invite you to participate in this with us today. If you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus, we ask you to abstain from this because this is something that Jesus instructed his followers to do. But if you would like to become a believer today, we're going to give you that opportunity after the end of our service. And I also want to remind you, this bread and this wine does not actually save you. 
There's nothing special about the elements in this cup and, and in this little cracker. What is special was that Jesus Christ gave his body to hang on that cross. And he poured out his blood. And as we take these elements, we are remembering his sacrifice. We are looking to him. We are not thinking about ourselves, not looking at our own righteousness. In fact, we are abandoning self-righteousness and looking only to him. So so at this time, what we're going to do is I'm going to have the deacons uh, go ahead and pass out the bread to each of us. Again, if you are a believer, we invite you to uh, participate in this. The deacons are going to pass out the bread and just hold on to that for a minute and we'll continue on with our service. So at this time, deacons, will you begin to pass out the bread? As the bread is coming around, I want to remind you of the scene of that night. The disciples had gathered with Jesus to celebrate the Passover meal. They didn't know what was going to happen that evening. They had no idea what Jesus was going to say to them. They thought they were just doing the normal thing that they do every year. Coming together, having, having the lamb, having the bitter herbs, the four cups of wine. They didn't know that Jesus was going to do something totally new, something totally different that would change everything about their relationship with God. And in this final Passover meal, it's the ultimate Passover. Jesus, knowing that he is the one final lamb, the final sacrifice, the only sacrifice that God would ever require for sin for the rest of time. This is why we no longer have to offer all these sacrifices and, and kill bulls and, and goats and, and birds and offer all these things. We don't have to do the drink offering, the wave offering. All those things are gone because Jesus Christ, his sacrifice was so full and complete, God never needed another thing to atone for a single one of your sins. That's what we trust in as we look at the Lord Jesus, that every sin that we have ever committed, every sin that we will ever commit, has been forgiven because of the one true Lamb of God. And that perfect sacrifice was not just an animal, an innocent animal, put on a stone altar and slaughtered and his blood sprinkled. No, it was a man whose life was perfect in every way. He was fully obedient to God in everything, fully dependent on the Lord for everything in his life. That's why whenever he gave himself, whenever he offered his body to be hung on that tree, God accepted him fully.
GW at this time, would you pray over the bread for us, please, sir? book of Matthew verse 26 or chapter 26 verse 26 tells us while they were eating Jesus took the bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and gave it to the disciples saying take and eat this is my body at this time would you take the bread now at this time we're going to have the deacons pass out the wine Scriptures also tell us that there's no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood because the life is in the blood. And so this cup that you hold in your hand today, we are remembering the precious blood of Jesus upon that cross as his body hung, his features scarred and marred beyond recognition as he had been brutally whipped and beaten and mocked and scorned and hated and reviled, his blood would be coming out of his body, pouring down the cross, running to the ground. That perfect, sinless blood. There's not a blemish in him in any way. And because his blood was so perfect, because his blood was so pure it's able to cover every single sin of ours it's the sacrifice that was given 
The reason we stand completely and fully forgiven every moment of every day is because of his blood. Not because of anything we've ever done, not because of anything we ever earned. We have no self-righteousness in our own selves. But for those of us who believe in the Lord Jesus, we are covered by his blood from head to toe. And because of his blood, God sees you as perfect and spotless and blameless in Christ Jesus. You are fully and completely forgiven in him. It is his blood that has covered your sins. His blood that has brought you to new life. And his blood never runs out. His blood covers you now and forever. In your darkest and worst moments, as a believer, you are still covered by the blood of Jesus. He is your forgiveness and he is your righteousness. So as we hold this cup, we remember his precious and perfect blood poured out for us. Poured out for those who don't deserve it. Those who thought they could earn their own way into heaven. Those who thought they could be good enough. But the scriptures tell us that we all fall short. The scriptures tell us that every single one of us have sinned and the wage of sin is death but we remember that Jesus Christ poured out his blood and tasted death for us that we may drink from eternal life because of him Matthew 27 verses 27 through 28 tell us it says then he took the cup and when he had given thanks he gave it to them saying drink from it all of you this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Believing and trusting in his sacrifice, would you take the cup at this time? And again, as we heard in Matthew and Mark, after they had taken of the Lord's Supper, they sang a hymn. And if they did sing the hymn that was common for the Jews to sing in the Hallel, that means they would finish up with Psalm 118. The psalm that we heard quoted earlier, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. At this time, I'd like us to read this entire psalm. So bear with me for a minute. Usually we only read a couple of verses of scripture. But this is so important. The words of this scripture are a treasure given to us. As we remember, God delivered his people and their from their slavery in the land of Egypt, delivering them into the land of promise that he had promised to their father, Abraham. So hear these words, remember God's awesome deeds, and think about the Lord Jesus as the fulfillment of these words. Psalm 118 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. 
Out of my distress, I called on the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what can man do to me. The Lord is on my side as a helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord, to trust in princes. All nations surround me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of God has done valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live. And recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. Pay attention to these next few verses especially. It says that the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And verse 25 says, save us, we pray, O Lord. Hosanna, O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords. Remember, Jesus was taken out of the garden bound. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God. And I give thanks to you. You are my God and I extol you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Brothers and sisters, that festal sacrifice that was bound and taken to the altar was none other than Jesus Christ himself. We are free and alive forever because of him. We are changed and made new. The old has passed away and the new has come. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. All that old, dead, sin stuff is gone. You died to that with Christ. You died with him on the cross. You were buried with him and you are raised with him. Holy Spirit lives inside of each and every single believer. 
you are sealed with the guarantee until the day that you appear before Christ by the Holy Spirit. Every moment and everything you go through, you are not alone. You are a forgiven, blood-bought child of God. And I pray you never forget that. And I pray you live in that truth every moment of every day. The reason you can overcome sin is because sin is no longer your master. You died to sin on that cross with Jesus. You can say to sin, you have no mastery over me. You have no say over me. You can turn away from those things over and over and over. And you have been given victory after victory after victory because of Jesus. So I pray, especially this week, as we continue to remember that ultimate sacrifice, that sacrifice that changed everything about you, the old you is dead and gone. You are new in Christ. You have been given a new heart. You have been given a new spirit. God's Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You are not the person you were. So I pray that you live in that truth. Know that truth. Remind yourself of that truth. Renew your mind every single day. of Who you are because of who Jesus Christ is. What he has done what he's still doing for you at this moment and what he will do for you throughout all of eternity. Because of him, we are alive and free. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day, God. We thank you as we have participated and remembered this supper that you showed us, God, reminding us of your body that hung upon that cross and that perfect and precious blood that was poured out, purchasing our forgiveness from sin, purchasing our victory over sin and death, God. We are victorious in you. And we celebrate you. We honor you. We thank you. We praise you. You are worthy of all of that and more. But Lord, I also pray for those who don't know that yet, who've not seen you in that light. I pray that your Holy Spirit would would move in this place. God, I pray that anyone who doesn't know you as Lord would know right now all they have to do is look to you and believe. To repent, to turn away from their sin, turn away from themselves and look to you for salvation. If they simply believe In the name of Jesus, they will be saved. They will be forgiven of all their sins, given a new heart, given a new spirit, made an entirely new creation in you. I pray you would work that in this room right now. And those of us who are believers, God, I pray you would stir your spirit in us. Stir us. Remind us of who we are. Remind us of who you are we may go out into this world as your children, as your representatives, as those who herald your good news. Lord, we thank you and we love you so much. We can never praise you enough. And so we are glad to spend all of eternity thanking you for what you have done for us. We love you. We thank you. And we pray all of this in the name of our Lord our Savior, and our King Jesus. Amen.